this evening to the book of Jonah, continuing with our studies in the book of Jonah. And we're going to begin reading at chapter 2 and verse 1. And Jonah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you, by your spirit, would speak to our hearts through the passage that we're studying this evening, that you'll help us to understand why it's in the book and to enter into it. And we pray, Lord, that you'll guide our thinking so that we might think the way you do about life and all of its issues. We know that you've given us these pages, this inspired and preserved book to hold in our hands so that we could understand who you are and what, what you want us to, to know about life. And we pray, Father, that we might pick up those lessons as we meet in this place. We thank you for the faithful preaching that we've heard so many times right here within these walls. We pray that you'll continue that, Lord. That you'll continue to supply that word that we need that feeds our souls and helps us to grow in grace. We pray that you'll give us wisdom to see what's going on in the world around us and in our own hearts to understand how to live for you in these last days. We do pray you'll, you'll bless us and strengthen us together. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been making some studies here in Jonah. And the last time we were together, we looked at chapter 1, where we saw the rebellion of the prophet, the rebellion of Jonah. We saw that Jonah lost many things when he decided to take a direction away from the will of God. The Lord told him in chapter 1 and verse 2, Arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But we read in verse 3 that Jonah rose up to go the opposite way, to flee unto Tarshish. And he lost out. He lost out when he made that choice. He lost the voice of God. We noticed that because the Lord did not speak to him again, but had to send a great wind to get his attention. He lost spiritual energy. We see him, he was asleep in the boat uh, while the storm was going on. 
he lost his power in prayer because even while the heathen sailors, people who were lost and worshiped false gods were crying out to their God, he was down in the bottom of the boat asleep. We saw that he lost his testimony because he, as a prophet of God, was sent out to preach the word of God, and yet his life was not preaching the word of God at all. And, and, he, and he, as we see in chapter 1, he, he lost his life. <laughs> they ended up throwing him overboard. But the Lord had a plan. Verse 17 of chapter 1 says, Now the Lord had prepared, and God always prepares. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And the Lord brought that, that great fish, whatever kind of animal it was, brought it up at just the right time to catch Jonah in its mouth and swallow him. Now, there's a lot of debate about the great fish, what kind of fish it was, and could it possibly have swallowed a man and, uh, and not destroyed him. But the, the God that we serve is the God of miracles, the God who made the world. And he can make a great fish to swallow a man when he's good and ready to do it. And that's exactly what he did. We read in chapter 2 and verse 1, then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. He wasn't praying before, but now he's praying. And this chapter is the prayer of Jonah. It's the prayer of Jonah. And, and in this chapter, we find that Jonah is repentant. He's repentant. But this whole chapter deals with what's going on in Jonah's heart when God is dealing with him over his sin and rebellion. And so we find very easily how to make application of that to ourselves. Because every one of us goes through experiences just like this. Maybe not necessarily in the mouth of a, a great fish in the ocean. But still, the Lord takes us through what he needs to do with us to get our attention. And it's exactly like Jonah, uh, Jonah's experience in that way. Jonah prayed. He wasn't praying before, but he's praying now. Jonah prayed. When he was in trouble with God for his sin, that led him to pray. When he was humbled by the way the Lord dealt with him, he, he prayed. And when he became aware of how the grace of God had spared him, he's writing this, this book of Jonah after the fact, of course, and he's reflecting back on what the Lord did and the grace of God that the Lord had in his life to bring him through. Well, we want to look at this prayer of Jonah. Where did he, or when did he pray? He prayed when he was in trouble with God. And where did he pray? He prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Now this fish that swallowed up Jonah is a picture to us of the circumstances that the Lord allows into our life that swallow us up sometimes. They swallow us up. And the Lord is using them not to kill us, although it may have seemed like that to Jonah at first, and it seems like us sometimes, the things that come our way in life seem like they're overwhelming, just like being swallowed by a great fish carried down into the depths of the ocean. Uh, but the Lord had a plan in all of these things, and Jonah cried by reason of mine affliction. He prayed in the fish's belly. There's no place where we cannot pray. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, everywhere. And what we have to learn to do is to maintain that attitude of prayer even when the circumstances are dire. It's easy to pray when things are going well, but 
It's harder to pray when things aren't going so well. But the Lord gives us those seasons of life to teach us what we need to know. So we can pray everywhere. There's no place you can't pray. We learn that here. If you can pray in the belly of a great fish, you can pray anywhere. And so he's praying. Um, we, we are the temple of the living God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 says, God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God. Ye are the temple of the living God. Ye are the temple of the living God. And when the Spirit of God comes to live in a believer, then the altar is in place for prayer. The altar is permanently there. No matter where we are, no matter what the circumstances, the altar is in place in the believer because the Lord is in the believer and we're his temple. And we read in Matthew chapter 23 that the gift, well, the question, what the Lord said to the Pharisees was, ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. And so the altar is greater. The gift is brought to the altar, and the altar sanctifies or makes holy or sets apart to God the gift that we bring. And that gift is a prayer. When we come and pray, when we pray, we're putting a gift on that altar, so to speak, in the altar of our hearts where the Spirit of God has set up a temple. So we're praying, we're setting a gift on that altar. Everywhere we go, we have that altar that sanctifies the gift, and we can pray. Notice to whom Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. The Lord his God. The Lord is mentioned here, and the, the word God is also mentioned here, and, and they both are significant. The Lord is the creator and sustainer of everything. In Joshua 3, we read, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. And he is the Lord of all the earth. He made everything. He made us. He made the universe we live in and the planet we live on. He made our family. He made our, our job situation. He, he has control of every circumstance in life. And so he's Lord. But he's also mentioned as God here because he's the covenant-keeping God. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 22, we read, Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. We come to the Lord our God, just like Jonah did. He's the one who has set up the covenant of our eternal salvation by sending his Son to be our Savior and working on our hearts to draw us to himself and giving us an opportunity to believe him and be saved. And so he's the Lord our God as well. And that's who Jonah cried to. He wasn't crying out to, to the world around him for help. And he wasn't crying out to any false gods uh, of, the, of the time in which he lived. He was crying out to the Lord God who's revealed himself in his word. Now, the, the rest of our time, we'd like to look at what he prayed, what he prayed. And this whole prayer, as I said before, appears to be a reflection looking back. Of course, he wrote, didn't write this in the fish's belly. He wrote it afterwards. But he's looking back at, at what he prayed and kind of reflecting on what the Lord was doing in these circumstances. And again, I say that this prayer is a prayer that lines right up with our own experience when we go through the Lord's school and through the, the circumstances he has to bring into our lives as he deals with our rebellion and our stubbornness and our pride. 
In verse 2 we read, he, sa he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. The, the word cry here is, literally means to call out, to call out. It doesn't mean cry in the sense of tears. It means to call out. And he's calling out to God by reason of his affliction. You know, sometimes when things are going well, we don't pray at all. And the Lord has to send troubles to get our attention. But affliction will certainly do that. The, the proud refuse to cry out. I found a, a verse, Job 36 and verse 13, that says this. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They cry not when he bindeth them. So when the Lord binds us, you know, brings some tight circumstances around us that kind of ties us up. Uh, when we're proud, when we're proud in heart, we just heap up wrath. The Lord has to send more trouble and more difficulty. The sooner we bow before the Lord and own the problem, which is our own hearts, the sooner we can come through those circumstances. But the hypocrites, those who are proud in heart, heap up wrath. They just pile it up. They cry not when he bindeth them. They refuse to cry out to God. Jonah cried out to God. Out of the belly of hell thou heardest my voice. The Lord could hear Jonah wherever he was. And what does Jonah pray? Notice verse 3. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Jonah, Jonah's teaching us here that we need to take careful, uh, a careful assessment of our circumstances. Uh, you know, when we feel anxious, or things are not going well, or we're dealing with somebody that we're having trouble with, or something is just not right, we need to think about that. We need to think about that, because the Lord is involved in that. We need to see the Lord's hand at work in those circumstances, so that we can very quickly say, Lord... What is the lesson here for me? What are you teaching me? Help me to see it. Help me to learn it quickly. He, he, Jonah makes mention here of, of how low he had to go. He says he had to go into the deep. Had to go into the deep. He says he had to go into the midst of the seas. The floods had to compass me about. And all the billows and waves had to pass over me. So he had to go all the way down into these circumstances. He had to go all the way down into it. And we need to observe the circumstances the Lord has placed in our life. Whatever it is that's going on, the Lord is in it. And he's, he wants to teach us through it. Many times we're not paying attention. We need to think about it. The word midst here and the phrase midst of the seas is literally the word heart, the heart of the seas. And he had to go all the way down to the middle of the seas had to go all the way down to get the right understanding. It says, the floods compassed me about. I think about Job's comforters, supposed comforters, who came and talked to him after he was going through this tremendous trial, uh, and the Lord was, was in all of that. But Job's comforters were no comforters at all. And many times we're surrounded by people like Job's comforters, and we're in trouble we're going through a tough time, and here are these people around us who are just making it worse, it seems like, not helping us at all. 
just making it worse. That's like the, the floods that compassed, compassed me about. Billows and waves seem like the same thing, but billows are actually breakers. Those are waves that are like white caps, we might say, the ones that are, that are curling over with the foam on top. And then the other waves are the waves here. And these billows and waves are passing over, passing over us, we feel like. We're drowning. You ever feel like that? Like the circumstances are just causing you to feel like you're drowning, you're suffocating, you're, you can't breathe, you don't, you don't see a way through it. Well, that's, that's, what, that's what Jonah's talking about here. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. I am cast out of thy sight. That was his assessment of it at first. The Lord can't see me. He doesn't know where I am. I'm lost in the midst of this problem. And he can't see me where I am. I'm cast out of his sight. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 7 says, He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. And we feel that way. Circumstances kind of like a, a wall or a hedge around us. We can't get out of it. He hath made my chain heavy. So Jonah says, Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet, I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compass me about, even to the soul. Jonah died in the fish. Jonah died. He wasn't just trapped in there in a way that he could live through it. He died. The waters compass me about, even to the soul. The depth closed round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. You know how it is when something's wrapped around your head. It's a, it's, a, it's a panic. You want to get it loose. You want to get it away from it. You want to get it off of you so you can see, so you can breathe, so you can do what you need to do. And, and don't the circumstances of life often act like something wrapped around your head? You can't see. You can't, you can't maneuver. You can't breathe. You can't do what you want to do. That's how Jonah was. He said, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains all the way down to the bottoms of the mountains. Have you been to the bottom with the Lord? Have you been through circumstances that took you all the way down to the bottom of the mountains? Mountains in the Bible are a symbol of revelation. Because when you get up on the mountain, you could see. You can see the land all around you. You can see who's there. You can see what's going on. You can see further than you can down in the valley. But when you go to the bottom of the mountain, you can't see anything. It's the opposite of being on the top. But we have to go down there because of the pride of our own hearts and our tendency to flee away from what God would have us do and to go the opposite direction. The Lord has to take us down to the bottom, down to the bottom. You've got to get down to the bottom. You've got to own the problem or it can't be fixed. The earth with her bars was about me. That's like a prison. A prison of circumstances with bars that we can't get through. In verse 7, he says, my soul fainted. It fainted. So Jonah was, was in despair. He was in despair. And he reflects on that despair in his prayer here. But then he begins to, to look at some assurances that he had that the Lord was going to do something for him. You can see it beginning there in verse 4. He says, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. 
<laughs> How can you look again toward God's holy temple when weeds are wrapped around your head and you're in the belly of a fish under the water going down to the bottom of the mountains? <laughs> how, can you, how can you look again? Well, this is, this is the eye of faith. He says, I will look again toward thy holy temple. I will look again toward thy holy temple. And then in verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came in unto, in unto thee, into thine holy temple. So I'm going to look toward the temple, and I'm going to pray toward the temple. What, what, uh, what, what, what hope did Jonah have that the Lord would help him? He was sinking down under the weight of his trials. He was ready to give up in many ways. He's cast out of the Lord's sight and fainting. And he can't say, well, I know of all, of all these people that I've heard of that have been in a great fish that came through it all right and, uh, and lived to tell about it. He couldn't, there weren't any examples of that before Jonah's day. I mean, he, I guess he could think about like David who was in the cave and the Lord delivered him in the cave. Or, you know, he could think about uh, Joseph who was put down in the, the pit by his brothers and the Lord delivered him out of the pit. But that doesn't seem to quite compare with being swallowed by a great fish and being underwater. That was not a situation that he could say, well, I have all these examples I can think of of how people came through this. But the reason I say that is I think that's the way it is with our circumstances sometimes. The way we feel about our situation feels like nobody's ever been through this before. Nobody's ever been dealing with what I'm dealing with. This is something brand new, something I can't really even get a handle on. And I can't really think of any good examples in the lives of the people around me, uh, or we're not willing to think of them anyway. Uh, and we, we th feel so sorry for ourselves because we, we have a special case. But it's not a special case because Jonah's only way out of the fish's belly was a miracle of God. That was the only way he could come out. But how could he, in his rebellion, expect the Lord to do anything for him? How could he expect the Lord to help him? But he does. Unbelief is a source of the despair that we have when things aren't going well. It's like a struggle between our senses, you know, what we can see in our natural look around ourselves, and faith that the Lord gives us to trust in him. We have to, we have to put our faith and trust in what the Lord can do. And Jonah begins to do that here. He says, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Well, that's, that's saying, I'm going to live through this. I'm going to live through this. The Lord's going to bring me through this. No matter how bad it seems right now, the Lord's going to bring me through this. And in verse 7, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray because my prayer will come in unto thee, into thy holy temple. It's still, it's still a good thing to pray to the God of grace and mercy. In Luke 22 and verse 32 we read, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. We can take hold of that promise, because the Lord's no respecter of persons. If he prayed for Simon Peter, he's praying for me, and he's praying for you, that our faith fail not. The Lord's going to do that for us. David said in Psalm 27 and verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
That's our hope. Psalm 119 and verse 175 says, Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. We read about King Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 38. You remember he was sick unto death. And he asked the Lord for a sign so that he might know when he could go up to the house of the Lord. And the Lord gave him a sign. But the interesting thing about that part of his prayer is that he wanted to be well so that he could go up to the house of the Lord. So that he could go and do the will of God. He could rejoice in the Lord's presence. He could worship the Lord again. Many times our prayers aren't along those lines. We're praying for things to get better so that we can have it easier. But we're really not to the point where we need to be yet. And so the Lord doesn't, doesn't remove the, the tribulation. He doesn't remove the trial. Jonah says, I'll look, in verse 4, toward the temple. And, and I'll pray, in verse 7, toward the temple. But the Lord still didn't bring him out of the fish. He had to go down to the bottoms, all the way down to the bottom. And verse 7 says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Here in this verse 8, he's beginning to own the situation. He's saying, I, I observed a lying vanity. I thought I could make my own plan. I thought I could go the opposite way. I thought I could do something other than what the Lord gave me to do. I didn't want to do that, so I'm going to do this. And he says, that's a lying vanity. That's an, that's an empty lie. And, and we often fall for it. We want to do our own thing. We still do. Even as a believer, we want to do our own thing. And we really don't want to do what the Lord would have us do. The Lord has something for every one of us, some kind of ministry, some kind of purpose for us to serve him in. It's not the same for everyone. Everyone has called by God to do different things. But something, just like he called Jonah to go to Nineveh to, do, to preach to them, the Lord calls us to go to certain individuals to do certain things for him, and we need to be doing it. If we're miserable tonight, if we're unhappy tonight, if we're feeling like Jonah did when he was in the belly of this fish, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to know? Show me. Bring me through this and show me what you would have me to do. Don't let me follow lying vanities. I don't want to forsake my own mercy, the mercy that God shows to those who repent. But he says in verse 9, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. He makes a decision here. He makes a decision to serve the Lord. All that I am, Lord, and all that I have, all that I have is yours. I'm not going to try to run my life. I want you to show me what you want me to do. And I'm going to sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. Not with my teeth gritted or a frown on my face or, uh, or a, a poor disposition. I'm not going to drag along doing what God told me to do in spite of everything else. Uh, like a, a, just a grin and bear it sort of an attitude. No. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. When we come to bring that offering of our life to the Lord, we've got to bring it with the right voice, 
We've got to bring it with a voice of thanksgiving. Thanking God for the fish. Thanking God for the weeds that wrapped around our head. Thanking Him for all aspects of what He's doing in our life. And then we can say with Jonah, I will pay that that I have vowed. I will pay that that I have vowed. But uh, H.A. Ironside, who is an excellent Bible teacher and expositor, says about this next phrase, the last phrase of verse 9, the last sentence of verse 9. He says that all the praying and all the pledging and all the vowing that went on in this prayer came, would come to nothing if it wasn't for this last sentence. Because this is where the Lord was trying to bring Jonah. This is the conclusion of the prayer. Salvation is of the Lord. That seems like such a simple thing. Just a few short words. Salvation is of the Lord. But it's exactly what Jonah needed to learn. He needed to learn that he could not save himself by trying to go to Tarshish. He could not save himself if he turned away from God's will in his life. He could not deliver himself on a daily basis if he tried to do it on his own. We know the Lord is the Savior of the soul. People can't go to heaven unless they come to know Christ as their Savior and put their faith and trust in his shed blood for eternal life. But neither can the Christian save himself from the difficulties and problems that our flesh causes. The Lord has to do it. The Lord has to do it. We have to be abandoned. We have to be abandoned to God's will and God's way. We have to trust him that much to let him do what he wants to do in our life. And that is the conclusion, as Brother Ironside points out, that allowed verse 10 to take place. Until the Lord brought him down to the bottom of the mountain and taught him that salvation is of the Lord, he could not do what we read in verse 10. But now he can. And the Lord spake unto the fish, because he's the Lord of his whole creation. All he had to do was speak a word. And Jonah comes out of the fish upon the dry land, alive, and going to Nineveh, as we'll find out in the next message. The Lord is trying to teach us how to pray, how to think and how to pray when the weeds are wrapped around our head. That's what this is about. We need to come down to the bottom. And you've got to go down there by yourself. No one else can take you down there. Only the Lord can bring you down there and teach you that salvation is of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you did this work in the life of Jonah, and then you inspired it and preserved it to be written for us. And we can read it, and we can learn how to pray when we're going through these kinds of circumstances. Perhaps there are some here tonight who are feeling the very same way that Jonah did. They're trapped their life seems like it has bars around it. They're confused. They're overwhelmed. We've all been there at one time or another, and we will be again. But I thank you, Father, that you are able to bring us through, that we can learn the lessons you want to teach us and learn how to pray like Jonah did in the midst of these troubles. We pray you'll strengthen us, Lord, those who know you as Lord and Savior. Help us to go out from this place more encouraged to trust you with whatever's going on and to allow that you know what you're doing and you can bring us through. And we pray, Lord, that if there's someone here tonight who's never come to know our wonderful Savior, that Jonah's experience might give them a taste 
of what it means to trust God, to, to, to finally come to that point where they can say, Lord, I want that salvation that you offer. I want to be delivered from what I am. I want to be saved from myself. We ask you to move in every heart. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.